Organizations invest thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars, pounds, euros annually on training interventions. People invest in training services and products from people like you and me. And time and time again, I've seen organizations invest in the wrong things and for the wrong reasons. And of course, this has a consequence for you and me as training providers. Very often, the people who commission training are not the people who understand the training or benefit from the training. And we both know that training is often mistakenly assumed to be the fix for a range of structural and behavioral problems in organizations. As training providers, we want to be really sure that what we're delivering is not just a product with a price tag, but a solution to a problem. So what we should be doing more of is helping organizations to clarify, is this what they really need right now for the right reasons? I'm not talking about the kinds of surveys post-training evaluation. I'm focusing on the kinds of surveys which we don't do enough of, pre-training surveys. And thankfully, there are lots of tools which can help you to survey your audience before you engage with training. So today I'm going to outline how surveys can help your training business and clients, what to do, and of course, how to do it. This is episode 98 of the Training Business Podcast. Hey, and welcome to the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Every week, we bring you exciting news and interviews with training business experts and training business entrepreneurs from around the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Here's your host, Mark Garrett Hayes. Hi, I'm Mark. I'm the host of the Training Business Podcast, and it's my pleasure to welcome you to another episode of the show. It's Monday, the 27th of July, as I'm recording this. It's Thursday, at least Thursday the 30th of July, or it's sometime in the future when you're listening to this episode. If this is your first time here, welcome. If it's not your first time here, welcome back. I say this every week and it's worth repeating. This is the show for freelance trainers, for training business owners, for training consultants, people like you and I all around the world. And we have listeners all around the world, people who find themselves in the privileged role of selling their services as developers of people. So if you're someone who makes a living, a career from helping people to be the very best they can be, as far as I'm concerned, you're in the training business. And the goal of this show, every episode of this show, is to help you to start to grow and to scale a profitable training business, hence the term training business, as opposed to any other kind of show. So before the music... I mentioned that today's topic is all about using surveys to deliver the right training. There are plenty of ways to survey people post-training. We call this training evaluation, and there are plenty of episodes back in the archives of this show where we've had guests on focusing on training evaluation. Here it's more about the pre-training surveys that we should be carrying out more of before we actually engage someone. Because very often, you might discover that training is not necessarily the appropriate intervention. And personally speaking, I would rather establish that than sell something under false premise, only to realize that someone's pretty annoyed with me because I sold them something 
which I did not verify could be a solution to their problems. And ostensibly, arguably, organizations invest in things like training for one of two reasons or both reasons. One, it's going to increase profits and two, it's going to decrease costs. So if we're not clear, can we actually promise this, deliver on those things before we engage? We stand the risk of mis-selling something. So to my mind, a part or a part of the skills or the tools that you should have as a training provider is the ability to survey your audience pre-training. Very often people will say to me, oh, we don't need you to do that. We've, we've run our surveys or we've, we've decided that training is what we need and this is the program we need. So it's like you're deciding on what, what the, the meal is before you've asked the guests what they want to order. And that's a mistake. I think we have to be willing, be courageous to validate assumptions and question assumptions. So are you sure this is the right thing? Part of what I do as a training provider, I'm speaking now as if I'm speaking to them, potential clients, is ensure that this is the right thing for you for these reasons. And I'll go on to extol or emphasize the benefits of running a survey to validate concerns, to validate reasons, rationale. I want to be sure that what I'm delivering is fixing the right problems which lead to the results that they want. So why bother surveying your audience? And I've come up with five reasons as to why this actually makes sense. The first thing is you validate assumptions, which means you solve the right problem. Secondly, you uncover problems, needs which people may have overlooked, which means you solve bigger problems if there are any problems to be solved. The third reason is you add more value you could end up selling bigger solutions, which of course increases your profitability. The fourth reason is you protect your ass because you can say confidently, this is what was needed. I've corroborated this and this has been agreed and signed off by X person or vice president of Y. And the fifth reason is you build connections. And this is a huge thing to me. It gives you a chance to engage with people, connect with people at varying levels of an organization, a client organization, and communicate with them, get in front of them, connect with them, and understand them. And of course, gives them the opportunity to ask questions of you, to know what you're doing, and the services that you provide. Those people could be the people who have the power to hire you in a different situation in the future. So one, you validate assumptions. Two, you uncover problems. Three, you add more value than perhaps is foreseen. Four, you protect your ass. And five, you build connections. So if we're going to go about addressing or building an employee survey, which is basically what this is, it's asking people for their explanation, their assessment of what they need, why they need those things, what problems they're trying to fix. What you're doing is you're collecting data, and we call this primary data. So secondary data, secondary data is data that we have gathered from other sources. So someone else has gone out and conducted the survey. So for example, if you're working with a client and they say, here's the research that the employee survey we've conducted has provided, that's secondary data to you from your perspective. Understand? However, if this is data which you've collected firsthand 
its primary data. And to my mind, to keep things very, very simple here for you, there are three kinds of questions to ask. You could have three simple questions or three kinds of questions. Here they are. One, what is going on? We call this situational analysis. The situation, the context. Two, what is causing what is going on? What's the underlying reason? What is giving rise to particular problems? It may not be definitive, but at this stage, it is investigative. What is people's assessment of what's causing a problem, whatever that problem is perceived to be? And three, what do those people think the solution is to what's going on? So one, what is going on? Two, what is causing what's going on? And three, what do people believe is the solution to what is going on? The key thing here is not to look for the obvious. Sometimes people, because they're focused on other things, will give you very simplistic surface level answers. It's incumbent upon you to dig, not too deep, We're not trying to reform the organization. We're trying to serve the organization by not looking for the obvious and looking for answers. So again, this is primary data. So how do we do this? Well, to my mind, there are seven steps, which is a nice number. The first thing is to use multiple formats. So when you're conducting a survey, every survey method has anomalies. True? Every survey method has shortcomings. Every survey can take multiple formats. So you have options here. Maybe you could arrange a small focus group. You could send out an email survey using one of a variety of tools, and we'll look at tools shortly. You could even contact people and get them to give you some feedback one-to-one via Zoom. Now, obviously outside of COVID, we would have the occasion to sit down with people perhaps one-to-one or in a room with other people, but that's not an option right now. So I will use multiple formats. It could be, as I said, one-to-one via Zoom, an email survey, or some kind of group, focus group using webinar software. And there are lots of options out there. So the key thing is to use multiple formats. That way you're testing assumptions. There might be a bias towards one particular method of surveying, which may not serve you. The second thing is to decide how you're going to analyze the feedback before you survey people, because you don't want to spend hours, unless you're being paid for this, to troll through paper forms or reams of documents. You really want to ask targeted questions, understanding the context, what's going on, what people believe is causing what's going on. And this allows you to narrow down the amount of information you have to analyze. So if you're clear on what you're going to analyze, how you're going to analyze, before you survey people, you won't end up in a situation where you've got reams of data. You simply haven't got the wherewithal, the ability, the competency to work through and understand. Now, if you are charging for this, you may engage the services of third parties who will do this kind of large-scale employee survey work on your behalf. I know people who've done this. They bring brought in third parties who are experts in this area of conducting organizational research employee surveys across large organizations, and they've got the statistical analysis skill set to analyze those things. That's not my expertise, so I don't do it. The third thing is to gain support of people who can sell the benefits of the survey. Why? Because the survey 
is only as powerful or useful to the extent that people are willing to engage in that survey. So if it's something coming from a third party, this is something that people may not engage with. It needs to be something championed by someone in the organization who can throw their weight behind it. Again, I'm not talking about a massive multi-departmental survey. You may be focused on one specific business unit, one specific part of the organization, one specific level of that part of the organization, which of course can dictate the scope of the survey. But you still need people to support you, to explain to other people in the organization why the survey is being used, what kinds of cooperation you want people to give you. It could be a focus group, as I said, or answering questions via a range of tools, which we'll come to today. And of course, getting people to want to take part. So you have to market the survey before you actually get people to engage in the survey. Think of the sponsors, think of, think of people who could throw their weights behind what you're asking them to do and get them to champion the survey. Step four is to scope the survey. So again, without dashing right into asking questions, stand back a moment and ask yourself, what do I need to find out here? Question one. Question two, whom do I need to speak with? And question three, what do I need to ask those people? One more time. One, this is the scope, by the way, the scope of your survey. One, what do I need to find out? Two, whom do I need to speak with? And three, what do I need to ask? Now, this may sound to some of you like a training needs analysis. I'm not sure that's correct because although training needs analysis in some shapes or forms looks like an employee survey, a training needs analysis only deserves the title of training needs analysis when we can actually say that training is the intervention. I'm kind of coming at this before this step, so I'm not saying it's yet training needs analysis because training may not be the intervention. It sometimes transpires that training is not the appropriate intervention. So let's not call it training needs analysis. It's still an employee survey. We're simply simply trying to find out what do I need to find out, two, whom do I need to speak with, and three, what do I need to ask them. That is the scope of your survey. Without making it more complex than that, unless you have to, I don't have to, you may not have to either. So scope the survey. How big is it? How complex? How in-depth? It could be something you can do very quickly. It could be something which has multiple parts across a large organization. Step five is to build the survey. This is where we come to the technology. So you can use tools like Typeform. That's typeform.com or SurveyMonkey, of course, the big one in the room, or something like Question Pro. I've not used Question Pro, but many organizations, including Coca-Cola, use Quest Pro. However, the ones I'm familiar with are both Typeform and SurveyMonkey. SurveyMonkey, of course, is very powerful because it's got lots of resources which help you use pre-built templates for employee surveys and other kinds of surveys like leadership surveys and so on. It's quite customizable. It obviously costs money. Everything which is worthwhile using, I think, costs money, including LinkedIn and things like that. But Typeform is something I also like because it's very user-friendly. Typeform is perhaps not so powerful as SurveyMonkey, but it can be because it's quite modern in its design and I quite like the way you can customize the interface in a way that it looks like a website. So you might have to decide on what 
tool is best for you, Typeform, SurveyMonkey, Question Pro, or something else. So in building the survey, we're not looking at just the technology, which I've just mentioned, but also think of the questions you're going to ask, you know, and you've got kinds of questions which you, I'm sure, recognize. On the one hand, you've got open-ended questions, and then you've got closed questions. So open questions get people to give multiple lines of text or verbal responses, and closed questions get people to give yes or no answers. And then, of course, you've got quantitative responses. This is where people give you information in numerical format, and often you might ask someone to rate something on a scale of one to ten, and you might get back a four or five as an answer. That's quantitative information. Or qualitative is where we get back people's adjectives describing how they feel about things, what they've observed, telling stories, and that's also powerful. The thing is, you have to know what information you want before you send out the survey. Do you want qualitative and quantitative? Do you want a blend of both? Do you want long answers, which is where we have open-ended questions, or do you want people to answer yes-no questions? which is, of course, our closed questions. You might also, as part of building the survey, develop instructions to help people to understand how to use the survey and answer the survey. And something I found useful is to film a short video. It could be on YouTube or Vimeo, which is a platform where you can make videos private, as I do, and you can make those videos accessible to people. So before you um, send out the link. You can send out a link to a video. Before you send out the link to the survey, I should say, you send out a link to a video which walks people through how to answer the survey and perhaps gives them a chance to see you, to see you, the person behind the survey. And before you send out the full survey, it's also a good idea to send out a sample of the survey so you can make any amendments. You might find that answers come back skewed or incomplete which might suggest you need to reconfigure things or even uh, reformulate how you answer or ask questions as part of your survey. Step six is to process results. Once you get back, allowing obviously the, the necessary time for people to answer your survey. And of course, this might sound very heavy and complex and scientific. It's not. You could actually put together a survey using a tool like Typeform or SurveyMonkey in one day. But to my mind, you do need to put some thought into the things before step five, which is understanding how you're going to analyze that feedback. And of course, scoping the survey so you get back the right answers to the right questions. But having done that, the time now in step six is to process the results. So look at the data which comes back and try and group that data into categories of answers. Sometimes you might find that particular key statements emerge, and those can be topical statements. These are things which maybe thematically uh, su summarize a whole bunch of research. So if I find one powerful statement from someone, I could use this as part of my research and say, this is a really key finding which has emerged from the survey, and this suggests that someone needs to do this or needs this kind of training. Now, if you get back qualitative data, that's great for, you know, testimonials and, and key, key statements. But if you get back qualitative data, you might want to build graphs or bar charts, pie charts, etc. Now, again, we're kind of straying into scientific stuff here. I'm not, 
in any way um, clued up when it comes to building really powerful in-depth analyses of results using statistical analysis. That's not my skill set. You can hire people on a range of platforms like People Per Hour or toptal.com, T-O-P-T-A-L.com. There are plenty of people out there who are specialized in analyzing research from learning and development research data or employee survey data. And I'm thinking of episode seven with Kevin M. Yates. That's episode seven of this podcast with Kevin M. Yates, who, if I recall correctly, used to be responsible for that side of things with McDonald's headquarters in uh, Chicago, in fact. He's no longer with McDonald's, but Kevin addressed that topic to some form or extent back in episode seven of the podcast in 2018, if I recall correctly. So that's the processing of results. Now, you've got some kind of in-depth analysis at this stage. The thing now to do is, is step seven, which is to share these results and, of course, to act upon them. So this means reviewing what you've gathered, analyzing it to some extent, shaping that data, that content to your specific audience. These are the people who will use this content to make decisions. Anticipate the questions which they may have emerging from your survey, and then have some recommendations, which of course align with your training products and services. Let me say that one more time. Step seven is to share the results, having reviewed them. Now act upon them, shape this set of findings into some kind of content which people can understand and use as the basis for decision-making. Is the survey showing, proving that training is the appropriate intervention? Is it coaching? Is it mentoring? Is it something else? It could be something else. It could be a workshop rather than one-to-one coaching. It could be something else. So allow for a variety of responses and anticipate questions from your audiences because people will want to know what you found in your survey. Does that corroborate what they've found in theirs or the assumptions that they've made? Have clear recommendations. And of course, where possible, have these aligned with your training programs. This is the recommendation which has emerged. I can now say that this is the next best step. We're going to do this, then we'll do this, then we'll do this. There's no point you know, discussing this without having given it some thought. What is emerging from your survey and have some next steps lined up? Okay, so you might be asking yourself, is it necessary to conduct surveys every single time? And the answer is no. It's a judgment call. Very often in my experience and perhaps in your experience, clients will have conducted their own research using in-house software or third-party software. It's hard to argue with that and I'm not suggesting you do. However, it's still good to go to source and have some level of primary conversations so you are satisfied that what you're doing or recommending or selling is actually going to solve a specific business need. And of course, you want to be asked back, so it's in your interest to do this if you feel this is the appropriate step before selling training into that organization And I mentioned to you again, there are five reasons why surveying employees, your audience, before training actually happens, if that's what happens, is that you validate assumptions. One, two, 
you will uncover problems that people may have overlooked as part of their surveys, if they do any. Number three, you will add more value often by helping yourself to sell more programs, more solutions to problems. Number four, you will protect your ass because you can say confidently, this is what is needed. I've proved this and we agree this. And step five, you will build connections by surveying employees. They get to know you, you get to know them, and you get to interact and build relationships with a range of decision makers who could in the future want to hire you directly rather than the competition. So that's my take on today's question, which was again the subject of a suggestion from someone out there in the training business community. And the topic was to use or how to use employee surveys to deliver the right training for your clients. My thanks to you again for tuning in this week to the Training Business Podcast. And I'd like to thank you out there who keep on suggesting guests and of course suggesting topics for the podcast. You've got some great ideas for episodes and content. So please keep these ideas coming. My email address is mark at trainingbusiness.com. You know by now there is, of course, a fresh episode next Thursday, and that will be episode 99. One more until the big 100, 100th episode, 100, which is in August 2020. So until then, please look after yourself and your loved ones. Keep safe and keep on training. Bye for now. once more for listening to this episode of the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Go to trainingbusiness.com and subscribe right now to be notified of great competitions, upcoming VIP episodes, and amazing special offers to help you succeed in your training business. See you next time.